Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Wizarding World Lorecast, where we're going to take a deep dive into the world and lore of the Harry Potter universe, such as the creatures, the people, and yes, even the magic. Welcome everyone to another episode of Wizarding World Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria. And I'm Captain Shenko. And as we keep going into the lore in the of this magical world that we have, and specifically the lore of magic, we are now going to the study of magic specifically. So we get to learn all the different types of different magics now. And surprisingly, there's a lot more than I thought there was. We we hear more of it in the books than we do see in the films. That is for sure. And like we mentioned last episode, the books just have a capacity to tell an extended story because they're not confined to time restraints. You're expecting to spend seven, eight plus hours in a mm-hmm. book where you don't do that in a film. And you I can if you're Lord it. of the Rings. Even the Lord of the Rings, though, left a lot out. Oh yeah, I, I recently, I haven't had a lot of time to read like uh, read recently. So audiobooks and podcasts have become my best friend because I still want to learn and to experience the stories that everyone around me loves. Mm-hmm. And I grew up like like you just mentioned, Lord of the Rings. I grew up with the Lord of the Rings, but I recently like I've read the books a long time ago, like late middle school, early high school, but. Uh, I recently listened to the audiobook for the for the Lord of the Rings and for the Hobbit and I just I so enjoyed it because I could kind of like turn off my brain and kind of remember a little bit of the visuals from the movie and then experience the new things that were missed right. in the in the yep. films like I wish they had had Tom Bombardil in the movie. He is the best character in Lord of the Rings, hands down. I don't care what anybody else says. You heard it here, <laughs> Tom. Uh, I can't. What, what was, I can't. I just his last name just escaped me. Tom Burbadil. Bombardil. Bombardil. Uh, he is the greatest character of all time in Lord of the Rings. If you don't know who like, that is, go read the books. He's he just is happy, awesome, wonderful, and 
he is all about his lady. And they should have kept him in the film. And they should have had him in the film. Enough there said. is a bootleg Lord of the Rings movie that has that has all the characters, but, um, it's, but it's it's Russian oh. and it's bad. <laughs> oh well, see there you go. But back on topic back on track, with Harry yeah. Potter, um, I actually just finished listening to Sorcerer's Stone today, actually, and a lot of the events that we see in the films is completely different in the book. Like Ron doesn't go to the Forbidden Forest. It's Neville, not Ron. Because Ron was injured in the hospital wing during that segment. In the book, not instead of the film, obviously they had the trio. So it made more sense because they're going to be the main three characters we're going to see in the entire series. But back onto the study of magic. Um... It should be noted that while the ability to perform magic usually revealed itself at age 7, there were some exceptions when individuals remained mundane until quite later in life, when extreme desperate circumstances, they suddenly reveal their magical capacity. However, such late bloomers, quote-unquote, were rare, possibly more than, uh, more so than squeebs. And what's funny about this is we're going to get this in Hogwarts Legacy. <laughs> Because your character doesn't attend Hogwarts till year year five. You're a fifth year starting Hogwarts for the first time in Hogwarts Legacy. So something happens prior before you go to Hogwarts. It's probably the prologue of the game to where your magic abilities manifest. Yeah, so we were just, we not just, it's been a while now, um... But for the MCU lore cast, Psych and I were talking about um, something very similar with mutants and how mutant abilities tend to manifest either at puberty or during a moment of intense emotional distress. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so it's kind of cool that that's a, I guess, a follow through uh, turning point for someone if they have some kind of crazy ability that they didn't know about. Right. And it, it's mildly genetic, evidently. Mm hmm. Magic's genetic, mutations are genetic with the MC- with the Marvel. So both shows correlate. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so for no original thoughts, just new ways to yeah, show them exactly. So for a person's ability to perform magic to be useful, a good deal of training was required to acquire the correct discipline, which is why Hogwarts exists when wild typically with young and untrained uh, children magic would manifest itself subconsciously in moments of strong apparition fear or anger a powerful intelligent wizard or which could direct this force in less random ways like Lily Evans and Tom Riddle Lily Evans meaning Lily Potter that's her maiden name is Evans Mm -hmm. Uh, as magic was governed by the wizarding world there were many other people who made it their business to study the magical arts, such as uh, such as well as magic being taught to young witches and wizards. So, meaning schools. Uh, main now we get fi- to learn about all the classes, right? <laughs> yeah. So, main fields of magical study taught to the magical school of Hogwarts uh, were arth missing arth missing I can't say it. What the heck? Orthomancy, <laughs> charms, dark arts, divination, herbology, potions, and tri- transfiguration. Uh, 
And then, just like we talked on the last episode, uh, types of wizards with special magical abilities include Amnimagi, so wizards who could turn into animals, such as like Sirius Black into a dog. Um, James Potter could turn into a stag. Peter Pettigrew, Wormtail, can become a, a rat. Uh, Arthamancers, a legitimans who could penetrate another's mind, which what Snape can do. That's uh, what he did to Harry and ha- uh, Order of the Phoenix, I believe. Yeah, Order of the Phoenix. Uh, Orsamans, who could project their minds from external uh, penetration. Uh, Metamorphagi, uh, wizards who could change your physical appearance. And Possumouth, one who converse with snakes. And then there's also seers who could predict the future, which we also do see, uh, which is the divination teacher in Hogwarts um oh her mind here her name's um shoot her name is slipping my nut tongue uh da, 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 da. uh Sybil uh Tarani uh she she she's a seer she can protect the future fun uh fun fact uh and spoilers to the book of Order of the Phoenix uh P- Professor Tarani uh, was the one that gave Harry his prophecy. And there are also different forms of offensive and defensive magic, such as various spe- uh, types of spells, such as curses, hexes, and jinxes, which we did go over in the last episode. So, many witches and wizards study the history of magic throughout time. Uh, they are known for mag- uh, magical historians. The history of Hogwarts also was taught at Hogwarts. Fun fact, history in Hogwarts is taught by a ghost. Which you will, we will see in Hogwarts Legacy again. They're literally yeah, I guess doing... that's one way. That's one Hogwarts... way to learn history. <laughs> Funny enough, Hogwarts Legacy is doing everything more based on the books than it did in the films. Because that's that's what they want to represent is more the books which is awesome. Like, we're going to see That's Peeves in Hogwarts Legacy. We don't see Peeves at all in the films. And if you don't know who Peeves is, read the books. He is a trickster ghost who's not truly a ghost. Just pretending. Like, he's a ghost, but he's also not not a ghost. It's super weird. Uh, one of the most celebrated magical historians of all time was Bethenda Bagshot, an author of History of Magic, which uh, chronicles the entire history uh, of the magical world until the end of the First Wizarding War, which at some point we will go into. Uh, it remained a standard uh, Hogwarts textbooks for study. The subject had been taught by Professor Trubert Burns since the 1700s and so some point after the Second Wizarding World and Professor Jacob Gorski in the late 2000s. The history of magic was taken in classroom 4F in Hogwarts. So that is the class for history of magic. And now we get to Arithmancy. Did I say that it's right? Like, um, arithmetic. Like okay. Arithmancy. Arithmancy was a branch of magic that was concerned with magical properties uh, of numbers. Someone who practiced uh, arithmancy was called an aromancer, for example, in the late 1200s. Bridget Winlock, a famous aromancer, discovered the magical properties of the written number 7. Ooh, 7. 
something we see in a lot of religious stuff where some seven pops up all the time and it's like a wonder number it's good luck in a lot of religions and then it's actually bad luck i think in buddhism well that's interesting i did not know that uh so then you also have the owl the owls and armancy was required to apply for a curse breakers job at gringotts and then Armancy at Hogwarts was taught by Professor Vector, and our class students were expected to write essays and to be able to understand co- complicated number charts, which were part of their homework. Hermione Granger appeared to be the only Gryffindor in her year who attempted an owl in this subject, which is her favorite. Honestly, this shocks me at no end that Hermione's the one that is the one going after this. It's just math. At this point, it's magical math. Yeah. I expect there's a lot of Ravenclaws that are inclined for this. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, And fun fact, curse breakers uh, show up in uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery on your the mobile phone game. Your character that you create becomes a curse breaker. I'm just full of knowledge today. <laughs> I play too many games. That's that's all it is. Uh, I've just been um, mindlessly playing uh, Love Island because oh. I have nothing better <laughs> to do. Because I was listening to the Two Girls podcast and they interviewed one of the developers for it. And I said, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Let's I, just, I hit this. download. <laughs> I hit download. And, and I'll, I won't lie. It's, it is entertaining um, and good background noise to keep me occupied while I wait for the Cyberpunk expansion yeah <laughs> plus they're making a second game now i know i just heard about that today I'm the very cdpr announced hey here's five projects we're working on but anyway I'm back to uh, back to hogwarts uh the next class we're going to go over is herbology which is we all know one specific person who loves herbology who's in gryffindor neville Mm-hmm. herbology was the study of magical plants and fungi including the care and their magical properties and uses some magical plants formed important ingredients and potions while others had magical effects in their own right at hogwarts all students were required to attempt an owl in herbology so all first through fifth year students took the class which was taught by professor perona Stra- uh, sprout Herbology classes were held in the greenhouses and included plenty of hands-on activities, including handling snuffle gloves. Yes, you heard me right. And repotting mandrakes and harvesting uh, bluebo tubers pus, which sounds disgusting. Um, yeah, a lot of the plants in the wizard world are not... Good. Yeah, they don't sound good. They don't look good. Mm-mm. I mean, like, I make tea with mugwort. And it turns black when you brew it. So, uh, can't say yeah. that real-life herbology is any less disgusting. And it's called mugwort. Yeah, just the name alone. 
And then students were also assigned essays as homework. At some point in the 1990s or 2000s, the post for Herbology was taken by Neville Longbottom. Since before the start of 2017-2018 school year, Ginny Potter told her son James Sirius Potter to give her love to Neville. Oh, so you get to... So after Professor Sprout gave up the position and retired, Neville took over, which makes perfect sense, in my opinion. Because he, 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 he loved it. Like, he loved herbology. He loved everything about it. And it makes sense that Jenny told her son to, like, hey, make sure you treat him right and give him all the love and affection because he deserves it. And he's also the reason why most of us are not dead. <laughs> Neville coming in clutch. You saved the day. Yeah. And then now we go back to now we have potions. Everybody's favorite class. Uh potions were magical liquids created by mixing various ingredients in a cauldron according to very specific rules. These mixtures may, must usually be drunk to give their magical effects. The ingredients in potions range from mundane to the bizarre and the fantastic, and the procedures of creating potions could be complicated and time consuming. Since such as Polyjuice Potion, uh, what, two months? It takes a hot minute. <laughs> I believe it was two, it's like between two to three months for the Polyjuice to be actually produced and viable, if done correctly. And yeah, only, it up. <laughs> only using for human transformations, mind you. You cannot use animal hair, such as Hermione's case. Yeah, that cat was almost as bad as the cats in Cats the Musical oh God. in movie form. Hey, at least at least we only got it for like a scene in Harry Potter. That's it. It's true. I don't need to see James Corden as a cat again. Nope. Uh, potion class was taught at Hogwarts uh, School Witchcraft and Wizardry by Professor Snape. Uh, he was the potion master, post potions master at Hogwarts, uh, starting in 1980 to the fall of 1996, which then he took up the position of dark arts, the defense against the dark arts. Uh, Horace Slughorn took over potions master for 1996 to 1997, so he was only there for a year because. He was there for a year of Half-Blood Plants. The next year, there was the Battle of Hogwarts. So he literally immediately left after the Battle of Hogwarts, which I don't blame him. Yeah, it's like I don't get paid. I don't get. I don't get paid enough. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't get paid enough to fight Death Eaters. Uh, the potions classroom at Hogwarts was located in the chilly, dark, and gloomy dungeon, which we see in all of the films. This class was mandatory from year years one through five was only allowed at newt level if a student had achieved at least excellent expectations on their owls exam and by the way to take your owls you have to be a uh, year five you have to be in your fifth year to, when you start taking your owls or no i think you take owls every one through five one through five it's like the f cat in florida <laughs> something like that well, actually yeah. i don't think i don't think we do the f cats anymore i think, I think like they're like it's similar to well i'm in ohio so it's like sats 
Like we had like when I was in school, I had to do SATs all the way up from year one all the way to like eighth grade before I went to high school. I and took the I FCATs. Took... Yeah, I took the FCATs all through elementary school, and then they did away with them my middle school years. Yeah, then I took had to take the A, uh, ACTs, which is the, mm-hmm. the most advanced ones, like when I got to high school, which I hate tests. but I don't remember what I scored on my ACTs, but I know it wasn't exceptional. I've always yeah. been a very oh, I wasn't poor... Either. <laughs> I'm a very poor test taker. I am not Agreed. I am not for standardized education because not everyone is standard. And unfortunately for me, that translated into passing with barely any effort and not, you know, like minimal effort and not taking anything seriously, which is just like a shame because I was never engaged in class. I feel like I would have done well at Hogwarts, though. Oh, Hogwarts. And I would have rather... I. I would have studied and worked a lot harder in a school with magic involved and magical creatures than I did in the standard public school in a heartbeat. Even if we took, like, even if it wasn't even at Hogwarts, even if it was at the school, the wizarding school in America, because in America has a wizarding school, even then, like, I would rather be in a wizarding school than be in a public school, because it's more fun. (laughs) Even though you could die, it's more fun. It's like, oh no, I could die, but you're at wizard school. Right. I get to fly a broom. I get to play Quidditch where I could almost die in Quidditch. I could, you know, take care of magical creatures. I like, would there's so much be the cool one. Stuff. I'd be Spells, the one, dueling. Like, oh, I'd love to duel. Inventing like magical wrestling club. <laughs> Somehow and be able to enhance your body with magic and wrestling <laughs> yeah. that way. You could just but, do the thing where your bones turn into jelly so no one could hold on to you. Yeah, let's not be, um, is it Lock? What was his name? Lockhart? Is that right? Something like that? In Chamber of Secrets? No, oh, I can't remember. But on that note, uh, I say we go and head into our mid-break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All 
And welcome to the mid-break, everyone, where we talk about everything with the podcast that has nothing to do with the lore of the Wizarding World. Uh, I do want to remind and thank everybody who is rating and reviewing us on Spotify and Apple. Uh, you can go to Spotify, rate us on there. It'll help us our podcast grow. And you can also rate and review us on Apple. And if you leave a five-star review, we will read it out aloud here on the show. We don't have any reviews yet for this week. But um, you can also find us on other shows. I'm on the Holocron Histories podcast with my co-host Teacup. Uh, we go over all the differences in the lore of Star Wars between the canon and the legends of everything. And Shanko has her own other show. Yes, I'm one half of the MCU Lorecast, which is a little show that just covers the comic history, the lore, the stories of Marvel Comics, and their cinematic counterparts. Uh, do that show with good buddy Psych88. Uh, that show comes out on Mondays. And then keep an ear to the ground because I am almost ready to start putting out episodes for my mixed martial arts podcast. It's going to be called The Fight Space. And I've got some awesome logo art coming in and some awesome music by Pipe Man. So keep an eye out. It's about to start. That's awesome. That that's awesome. <laughs> and you can find all of our shows on the Robots Radio Discord. Uh, you can find both of our sh uh, this show and the other shows that we host. And you can also find other shows such as um, the Witcher Lorecast, the Wizard, or almost said our own podcast again, the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, which is what our. Uh, uh, the manager of the network hosts. He hosts that one. He hosts the Witcher lore cast, Elder Scrolls, Mass Effect. Like, if you can think it, it's probably on the network. So go join us at the Robots Radio Discord. Uh, there is a link in our dis uh, show description for you to go to the Discord and be invited. Anything else for the mid-break? That's all I've got. Cool. So, back on the show. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now that we're back, now we get to go into charms, which is probably one of my favorite classes in Hogwarts, I'm going to be quite honest. So charms was a type of magic spell concerned of enchanting an object to behave in a way that wasn't normal for the object. For an example, the summoning charm brought the object to the caster. In the summoning charm, do you know what spell that is? 
Accio. Yeah. Uh, Charms was also uh, something of a catch-all for spells that weren't tri- uh, transfiguration, spells that can't change into inherent nature of an object. In some sense, if a spell wasn't transfiguration, it was probably a charm or else a counter spell or healing spell. So basically, it's a charm or it's transfiguration. It's one of the two in most cases. A charm might cause something to flash different colors. It might cause an object to levitate or even fly through the air. Charms could even make a person laugh or dance or even create a bubble of breathable air around a person's head. In all these cases, the object or the person didn't really change. They just did something unexpected. So for an example, like the bubblehead charm. That is the charm where you have a bubble of breathable air around your around your uh, head. Cedric Diggory did that in the Triwizard Tournament in uh, Goblet of Fire. And then there, obviously, the charm to levitate is Wingardium Leviosa. So, obviously, we do see some of these charms already. Uh, some charms could be also extremely powerful. The Fiddleless charm, for an example, could completely hide a person or place in such a way that no one could find them unless they were given the location of a secret keeper. Uh, and then a secret keeper is... Oh, a specific person is a secret keeper. And then memory charms could be strong as they completely remove a person's memory or even damage their mind permanently. Such as we see this in uh, Chamber of Secrets with... I want to say it's Lockhart, I think his name. I can't remember. Yes. It it is Lockhart. It's played by Kenneth Breno. Okay. Who we just talked about on the MCU Lorecast. Oh god, that's funny. Uh, But he does the spell Obliviate, which is the mind-wiping spell. It completely makes the mind... It, like, removes all your memories completely of a specific thing, depending on the caster. Like, Lockhart does it on... Tries to do it on Harry and Ron, but, you know, using Ron's broken wand, it backfired because he used a broken wand. And then uh, Hermione uses it in the first part of Deathly Hollows on her own parents, so they wouldn't be in danger of knowing her or where she is as a witch, was as a witch. So just in case the Death Eaters came to the, her parents, and the, and as you see, depending on what you wipe, it could also wipe all everything of that person. Like when uh, Hermione wiped her parents' memories of her. All the photos in the room, she disappears from all of them. Showcasing that she never existed. It is. It's all encompassing. Yes. So charms were also uh, some ways the opposite of curses. Charms seem to have an inherent positive tone, like the tickling charm. Uh, While most curses had an inherent negative one, this was not to say that charms were weaker magic. A well-chosen charm... A uh, counter spell or healing spell was a powerful magical tool against curses, jinxes, and hexes. Professor Flitwick, the charms uh, Hogwarts charm teacher, was rumored to have once been a dueling champion after all. Which is true. If you do play uh, Hogwarts Mystery, like the mobile game, uh, going through that game, I think it's in your first year playing the game, 
because you do actually go through years one through seven in the game as your credit character, you do find out Flitwick is a was a reigning dueling champion. Hmm. And hidden talents. Charms are just like they said, it's not weak or magic or anything like that. And then to curses because Expecto Patronum is a charm. Expelliarmus is also a charm because it's the disarming charm. So there's a lot of charms that are used in dueling. Most most dueling spells are charms. Now we go it's to probably just a little bit easier to rely on something a bit more harsh. Yeah. Now we go to transfiguration. Uh, so transfiguration was a magic which changed uh, one object into another. It was possible to change inanimate objects into animate objects and vice versa. Some transfiguration spells altered a part of something, such as changing a person's ears from normal into rabbit ears. Or you can change a uh, pet into a goblet or something of that nature. Unless you use a broken wand. Don't use a broken wand like Ron. Was it, what was he trying to do? Turn the rat yellow? Well, no. Like in Chamber of Secrets, he used his broken wand to uh, transfig uh, Scabbers into a warp goblet. And it did. Scabbers changed into a goblet, but he was still alive. <laughs> he, he was, st- yeah. He was still like, I mean, he obviously would have been alive regardless, but he's not like a goblet himself he's like a rat shaped goblet like it had he had his tail you could hear him like trying to like squeak and everything yeah but he was goblet shaped instead of rat shaped yes exactly horrifying can i buy one on amazon i'd probably maybe etsy Uh, At Hogwarts, Transfiguration was taught by Professor McGonagall until at least 1997. Albus Dumbledore was the Transfiguration teacher at Hogwarts before her. Which is, you would think he was Defense Against the Dark Arts. He was not. He was Transfiguration. Hmm. Yeah, that's something I always like. Because if you watch uh, Crimes Crimes Against Grindelwald, the classroom that you you first see Dumbledore in, is the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom. But in reality, he's actually teaching t- Transfiguration. Interesting. That's um, really interesting. Right? And Transfiguration spells were cast in ancient times as well. Circe, a witch who lived on the Greek island of uh, Araya, was famous for Aya. turning... Aya. Aya. <laughs> That's great. a lot of A's in a line. <laughs> uh, Aya uh, was famous for turning lost sailors into pigs. The opposite of transfiguration was untransfiguration. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Which Very would be creative. turning something to its proper form. I wonder where they, like, oh, transfiguration? Oh, yeah, the opposite is untransfiguration. Like Hodgkin's lymphoma and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. It's like... <laughs> really okay it's like i feel like there should be something more important to call that but right i i I would think so too uh now we go to the dark arts defense against the dark arts uh which is probably my other favorite class uh the dark arts differ from other forms of magic and the intent of the wizard using it most magic was relatively neutral it could be used for good or bad 
Uh, some magic, however, was evil in its intention through and through. Spells of this kind were often called curses. Curses were spells that were often intended to cause harm to another person. So, spells, obviously, like the unforgivable curses, obviously, makes sense. Um, spells like what Ron tried to do in a, another spell in Chamber of Secrets, we see he tries to curse Malfoy with eating slugs. Obviously, it backfired because his wand was broken. But he's still trying to he try he used a curse. And then half blood Prince Harry uses one on Malfoy. Oh, Sepinsentra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the curse um for it li- so what it does and you get this you get more info in the book than you do see in the film. It shoots a spectral sword. That's not dramatic at all. No, but it's still it's it yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. And funny enough, Snape is the creator of said spell because he was obviously he's the Hapless Prince. Mm-hmm. So this intention was to do harm and place the spell into the realm of the dark arts. Although offensive and potentially dangerous curses exti- existed in number, three were considered o- usable only for great evil, which earned them the special classification of the unforgivable curses. Ultimately, the deep, true intentions of the caster was what made the difference. And do you remember? Do you, you know? I'm, I'm sure you know what the three unforgivable curses are, right? Oh, the killing curse, clearly. Yep. Hold on. <laughs> I'm brain dead right so now. So you have the killing curse. <laughs> so you late, have yeah. the torture curse, mm-hmm. and then you have the um, it's the one that makes people do whatever they want. Uh, the imper uh, in curse. This is the one basically it like it straight up mind controls someone. To do whatever that you want them to do. Imperio. That's what it is. Uh, this was a different uh, distinction to make in many cases. However, understanding the difference between acceptable and dark magic was the key important for witches and wizards in training, which is why defense against the dark arts was such an important class for students at Hogwarts. Some other schools had a reputation for teaching the dark arts, not defense against the dark arts. Dumbstrag was such a school. Dumbstrag, meaning the uh, school um, where it's one of the schools in the Triwizard Tournament uh, where um, oh, what's his name is from uh, Crumb. Oh, the school that he's from. The all-boys school. Mm-hmm. Military school. <laughs> yeah, straight up a military school. They, they teach the dark arts instead of like, you know, defending against the dark arts specifically. Now we go to uh, litigancy. So litigancy is a branch of magic not normally taught at Hogwarts, at least not at an ordinary wizarding level, was the ability to extract emotions, thoughts, and memories from another person's mind, although the word literally translates as mind reading. This was considered a naive interpretation of the art by its practitioners someone who practiced legitimacy was also known as a legitimens 
And then a legitimacy was easier when the spellcaster was physically near the target and when the target was off guard, relaxed, or otherwise vulnerable. Eye contact was often essential as it was useful for legitimates to verbally manipulate his or her target into meeting the legitimate's eyes with the fringe benefit that the target emotional state might bring relevance associated memories to the surface. So, this is uh, literally just kind of like how Dumbledore can like take his own like memories out of something. Or, like, how most wizards can, like, transfer their memories from, like, teardrops, like how Snape does, or how Dumbledore can just use his wand, put his wand up to his forehead or, like, side of his head and, like, take his memory out. It's stuff like that. Let me let me let you inside my head, literally. Yeah. And then That's all this good. seemed... Uh, tally quite nicely for what is known in the nature of the human memory and muggle science, the only known defense against legitimacy was occumency, or the protective charm, Protego. Um, the incantation required for legitimacy was legitimens. Some well-known legitimens were Albus Dumbledore, Lord Voldemort, and Severus Snape. So, those three making sense because there's the ones we see memories from. Specifically, mm-hmm. in uh, Half Blood Prince. Then you have now we go into the defense of legitimacy, the occumency. Occumency was the art of magical, magically defending the mind against external pen- 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 penetration, sailing it against magical intrusions and influence. Defense a counter of two legitimacy. A practitioner of occumency was referred to as occumens. Occumency was a necessary prerequisite to defend a legitimate's lie detector abilities without suspicious behavior such as avoiding face-to-face contact and eye contact. Elementary, uh, uh, let me say that again. Elementary occumencies uh, involved clearing the mind and thought and emotions so the legitimate's could find no emotional ties to memories and the target wished to conceal. So... Which we do see uh, Harry being trained in occupancy in uh, Order of the Phoenix, uh, where Snape is trying to help him protect his own mind against Voldemort. It's hard, as you can see in the film, to where Harry is having very big difficulties trying to get his emotions away from his own memories, because, let's be honest, he has a terrible terrible history of dark stuff happening to him so he obviously he's trying to keep everything happy and everything close to his chest and yeah i would say it's hard to uh not penetrate his mind Um, it kind of reminds me of the i forget the actual name but the spirit that steals your face from avatar Oh when, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, when he went to talk to that spirit, he wasn't allowed to show any emotion because mm-hmm. then then he still his face. Had the ability to steal his face. Yeah. The most like suspense, one of the most suspenseful scenes in Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my god. And then uh, simple resistance to attack required similar skills and those needed to resist the imperious curse. In this uh, more advanced form, occupancy allowed the users to press their only feelings and memories that 
contradicted what the user wished Ligimans uh, to believe, less allowing the Ocumans to lie without self-betrayal. Some well-known practitioners of Ocumancy were Albus Dumbledore and Severus Snape. And you can actually tamper with your memories, as we see in Half-Blood Prince. Slughorn actually tampered with a memory he had of Voldemort. So hmm. that is always a possibility as well. And we also do see in Order of the Phoenix, um, Harry actually uses the protective charm, Protego, to literally bounce back the spell. And he actually saw Snape's mind and not realizing it. Only he, if he went a little bit deeper to see the memories that we do see in part two of Deathly Hollows a lot sooner, I think Snape probably would have lived. Yeah. But hindsight's twenty twenty. True. Good point. Uh, next class we're going to go over is divination. Divination was magic which attempted foresee future events. Many of the wizarding world consider this branch of magic to be imprecise at best. There were several types of divination. The most imprecise was the most commonly known as fortune telling, and this was what Sibyl Tarani taught at Hogwarts, which we do see in. Order of the Phoenix. I had to think about that for a sec. We do see that in Order of the Phoenix. The second type of divination was what was practiced by centaurs. When Ferrans, uh, the centaur, started teaching divination classes in the spring of 1996, he taught these techniques, although they were mostly lost in the human students of his classes. Which, a lot of his stuff dealt with astrology, because that's how centaurs force all events was through astrology mainly mm -hmm. i have no talent for divination through astrology mm -hmm. i like to scry i like to cast i like tarot <laughs> right like uh like, but it is true it's mo it's very imprecise divination mm -hmm. is very imprecise because it's constantly affected by the future yeah and the future is always changing you don't know what's going to happen mm -hmm. until it actually happens Mm -hmm. And you can hear something in a divination you don't like, and you make a mental change, and that changes the future. Mm -hmm. And then uh, for everybody to be reminded, Ferrand uh, was the centaur that uh, helped Harry in the Forbidden Forest in Sorcerer's Stone. That is that centaur. So he does come back. That boy. As a, <laughs> it's that boy. Yeah. He comes back as a teacher. Uh, the third type of divination was called seeing. Uh, this is this was true divination, although what the seer revealed was usually in the form of a prophecy, which was in itself required some interpretation. A seer, one who possessed the inner eye, didn't seem to have control over their seeing. Which, for an example, Tarani was the one that actually saw Harry's prophecy when he was born. But as you see, as we as we see in general, like in Order of the Phoenix, we see Tarani doing a scene. She has no control over anything. Like it just comes it out. It just happens. Like na a natural thing. It just randomly happens. And then Tarani, for example, uh, only made actual prophecies three times. Although she made plenty of claims about everything from troubles ahead of various students as Neville breaking a teacup. In each case, she made an actual prophecies prophecy Tarani went into a trance and spoke a completely different voice and after speaking the prophecy she didn't remember a thing about it 
which we see mm-hmm. with uh, so and then one was the prophecy with Harry as one. The second one, I believe, was the one with um, sp- uh, specifically with Peter Pettigrew, um, Wormtail going back to Voldemort. And I do not know what the third one is on the top of my head. And the and also then we go uh, true scene was very rare, but it had happened plenty of times over the centuries. There was a huge uh, cathedral sized room of the Department of Mysteries where records of thousands of prophecies prophecies were stored in glass spheres. Each prophecy was labeled with the initials of the seer who spoke of the prophecy and the person it was spoken to and with the subject of the prophecy. They're keeping record. <laughs> and as you see in Order of the Phoenix, there are tens, if not hundreds of thousands of prophecies. And they all explode. Because Jenny Weasley used Reducto. Oh no. I love that charm. The explosion charm. It just blows things up. Because why not? I'm a fan. but that is all we got on the study of magic it's really cool to go through all the different classes because i don't we don't we don't i mean we see them in the movies but it's not we don't go in depth like at all we see like okay yeah we see potions and we see defense against the dark arts we see charms we see herbology we see divination we see all of them but like they're only like Five minutes. But it's not a part it's not a part of their life like it is in the books. No. Their their classes are highlighted on purpose because important things happen in those classes and you need the background from those classes to make the plot make sense. In a movie setting, you can mention something and it maybe sticks with the viewer. And it especially comes as a callback later down the line in the movie. But in the books, you have to set up that universe, especially for something like Harry Potter, where when they were just books, there was no concept of films and extended universe and side stories. And, you know, none of that was published. We just had the core books. And I remember when the books were being released. So, Right. Yes. It's just crazy. So um, really cool. And I like that we're getting to, deep dive into the subjects a little bit because mm-hmm. it is so much more rich than we get to see in the movies which tend to be the most easily accessible way to I mean have these stories and, and with Harry Potter it's very it's intimidating. everybody's at least seen one film mm-hmm. of the Harry Potter universe like for me it's I watch it every year around the holiday time because that's when the movies came out and I was watching it with the, as a family thing. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like deep diving into this stuff, like going more in depth with a lot of these. And we will go a lot more depth with a lot of the magic uh, later down the road um, as we go more, we'll probably deeper dive into the Hogwarts stuff and like Hogwarts history as a whole. And I will warn everybody now, Hogwarts is going to probably be at least a two, maybe three episodes. Because there's so, there's so much, much history of Hogwarts. It's ridiculous on how much there is on Hogwarts. Like, like, 
looking up a lot of the info, it's like going decade by decade for a lot of the a lot of the times. And it's like, oh my god, how much is how much is there that we don't see in the films? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm heavily enjoying going down this road, and it seems scary, but it's it's just so much fun. I I'm happy too to put this out because I feel like. It's getting to where Harry Potter, I mean, the new stuff coming out is what it is, but I feel like the fan base has grown up. But then now a lot of the people that grew up with Harry Potter have their own kids and they're introducing them to the media Mm -hmm. and they want their kids to be as passionate about something they loved as they were and to experience all of that, you know, all of that excitement that we got as kids. Like, I, I remember um one of like I, i've seen harry potter themed baby showers or you know where they'll give them their hogwarts letter right you know for their yeah whenever i have kids um i will give them a hogwarts letter at the age of 11 because that's when you're supposed to give them um mm-hmm. like i'm super excited like uh, one of my friends her kid is eight when she turns 11 i am giving her a hogwarts letter i already told her that like it's going to happen uh, you're gonna. You, are you excited to get your Hogwarts letter? Like we will find what house she is and everything. But like, I mean, there's like Harry Potter itself has grown such at a substantial rate to where we have a whole park based on it at Universal. Uh, they just announced this year, for the first time ever, starting next year, the Wizarding World Festival. More details to come later. They still don't have details on it. But there is going to be a full, like, legitimate festival somewhere for Wizarding World. Specifically Wizarding World. I I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. More than likely, (laughs) more than likely, they'll at least have two different times for the festival. One for the UK specifically, because Harry Potter is, you know, specifically UK. And then one for the States. Um, as far as where the one that for the states will be, who knows? It just depends. I'm Universal leaning, Orlando. Universal please, Orlando. Please at least please. be on the East Coast. As long as it's on the East Coast, I'm going. I don't care where it's mm. at. As long as it's on the East Coast. West Coast, mm, sorry. I, I'm not flying to the <coughs> West Coast. It's too expensive to fly over there. No kidding. You might as well fly to Europe and go to the UK one for a little bit more money. Right. Exactly. But um, that is all we got this week. Anything to add, Shanko, before we wrap it up? I don't think so. I think that's it for me tonight. Cool. Well, we will see everybody next week. And remember, the wand chooses the witch or wizard. Night, everyone. Thank you for listening to Wizarding World Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can follow us on Twitter at www.lorecast, and you can email us at wizardworldlorecast at gmail.com. And if you want to find more of us, you can follow me on the Holocron Histories podcast with my co-host Teacup, to where we take a deep dive into the Star Wars lore. Or you can follow Captain Shanko with Psych88 on the MCU Lorecast, where they take a deep dive into all things Marvel.